We have some fun stuff to talk about, some fictitious, this is a fiction day. All of these cult classes have really been about fiction, but this might be the most fun one. Sad. It's sad. Don't get me wrong. When I laugh at some of the silliness, that doesn't mean souls aren't at stake. But sometimes you just can't help but laugh. And the truth sometimes is stranger than fiction. Anybody benefited so far from the cult class we've been doing? It's kind of scary to teach on cults, right? But if you don't expose the truth of these organizations and beliefs, you might think they're Christian, especially some of the ones we've already covered. You, you won't be ready to talk to people who believe this. Anybody know a Scientologist? Anybody? No? Yes, we got one. If you're from California, you know lots of Scientologists. I'll explain why. This used to be a lot more popular than it is today. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started with Scientology. Lord, we know the truth is in your word. We know that it's very clear. As we study it, help us, Lord, to have it impact our heart, to have it imprinted on our minds, so that when we see error, when we see false teaching, we're not only able to, to know that it's false teaching, but we can give a ready answer. We know that your word contains everything we need to know for salvation and sanctification. So Lord, help us as we go through this world and there's many things that come against us that are not true. Help us to discern that error and to know what to say in response. Let us be ready to give a hope, the hope that is an answer for the hope that is within us, Lord. Help us to tell others of Christ. Bless us this morning as we reveal the false teaching of Scientology. In Jesus' name, amen. So this class is Bad Theology. Who remembers what we've covered so far? I don't have a giveaway for you if, you if you answer this correctly, but you know, you're here, you're supposed to know the answers to these questions. So what have we covered so far? Christian science. That was last week. That was a strange one, wasn't it? Seventh-day Adventists, right? A lot of people think they're just another Christian group that worships on Saturday. What was the major problem with Seventh-day Adventists? What makes them a cult? The atonement. They, they've changed the atonement. They've changed the, the heart of the gospel and say that Christ is still having to make an atonement for us right now in heaven on a regular basis, but only since 1844. Not before 1844. We don't know what he was doing. Okay, what else? Jehovah's Witnesses. Is that it? No, we haven't covered Mormonism. Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian Science, Seventh-day Adventists, Scientologists. I got two more after this. I already told you what they're going to be last week. Universalism or United Universalism. And who remembers the other one? Hebrew Roots. So don't miss out the next two Sundays. And then Pastor Frank is going to take over. He's got his own six. And that'll take us through this summer. In the fall, we start Systematic Theology. I'll be teaching Systematic Theology starting in the fall. That's a, a two-year course, but we'll divide it up into semesters. So the Church of Scientology. Now this is an easy question. You ready? Here's your quiz. Do you think it's really a church? Do you think it's really a church? No, it's not a church. But that's what they call themselves. And they have to do that because they want the religious exemption. And so we'll talk about the religious exemption. That's a big part of their history, actually. What is a cult? We've defined it a couple of different ways. I ran across this definition somewhere this week. I don't even remember where. I just copied it. And any religious movement that claims to follow the Bible, but distorts one or more of the essential doctrines of Christianity. I think cults are, can be a little broader than this definition. Most will claim to follow the Bible or some kind of Christian teaching. 
But any connection to Christianity, if they claim any connection to Christianity at all, their founder did, and then whatever they teach is not Christianity, I would consider that a cult. Generally, a cult has a, a following that's very loyal. They're willing to sometimes even die or go to prison for their cult and cult leaders. But there's some kind of association with Christianity. And so when Frank covers Satanism, you might think, well, that's not Christianity. right. But where do they start with their understanding of who Satan is? You get that from the Bible, and then they run with it a different direction. And Scientology, of all the cults we're looking at in this class this summer, this is the least connected to Christianity. But you'll see there's a, there's a starting point that's somewhat loosely connected. And then by the end of class, hopefully we'll have time, we'll see that the founder, before he died, said some things that are in the Bible and that are quite, quite frightening. So let's talk about Scientology. There's, they claim to have 10 million adherents, 10 million people in the world that follow their belief system. One thing about Scientology is they, they lie and deceive, as all false teachers and false teachings do. They really lie and deceive because it's money, power. The whole organization is a secret organization. And actual estimates, if you look at surveys, census, and all of that, estimated to be around thirty to 40,000, mostly in the U.S. This is a U.S. cult, started in the U.S., stayed in the U.S., but there are some around the world. It's made very popular by movie stars movie stars, especially in the 70s, 80s, and, and going into the 90s. Once the internet started coming around and, and people who left this secret organization could tell the world about what they believed, their organization, what they call a church, has been declining. But there are still many movie stars who, who popularize this. There are many business groups who popularize this because it helps you become a better business person. It helps you be more successful in life. It's a self-help program. So really, since 2011, the numbers have been declining. So the main mother church, if you want to use that phrase, I told you last week, the Christian scientists, they don't even hide it. They just call the starting building the mother church. The, the main building right now is in California, and that's the Church of Scientology building in L.A. It's an old hospital. I don't know if it was painted blue before they bought it, but... It is very blue. The whole complex is blue. And that's their main building. You can see how much. Is that a couple of city blocks at least there in L.A.? They're one of the major real estate owners in L.A. County. They have so many buildings. This is where all their church organization for the U.S. happens. And there's, there's kind of their creepy building at night as the sun goes down. They have a cross. I'll show you that in a moment. They do have a cross on their building. So an unsuspecting person might drive by and think that's a, a church because it's a cross. It's a different looking cross, but they do use Christian symbolism. There's one connection loosely to Christianity. They do have the cross on it. The cross means nothing to them. It's not anything like what we know the cross to represent, but they have that symbol trying to steal, I think, from, from Christianity. They also bought an old hotel where all the movie stars used to stay in the 30s and 40s. And this is their celebrity center. So Scientology, think, think of it as a, a club for celebrities. A club to get better at what you do, to have friends, to have power, to have connections. And this celebrity center, you can stay there if you're part of their, their cult. And you can, they have different events and such there. For the famous stars. And, and there's a few millionaires and billionaires that are also supportive of Scientology. Here's all the, the movie stars. I just found a graphic that contained a lot. 
Does anybody know some, some famous names that are Scientologists? Tom Cruise is their, he's their main guy. He's like the high priest, you know. He's not the, well, he's the false prophet. The high priest would be a different guy. Who else? John Travolta. Those are the two big names, right? John Travolta and then more recently Tom Cruise. Supposedly John Travolta's tried to get out a few times, but this organization doesn't really like you to leave. And you know all the, the secret cult organizations that are in shows and movies? And you think that's just really weird. Nobody would be like that. They're getting the, all the ideas for writing those from Scientology. You can't leave. They'll ruin your life if you leave. You know, I don't, I don't know if they've ever been convicted of murdering somebody for leaving, but there has so much evidence for trying to ruin people's reputation and their lives if you leave and talk about what you know. Here's their, their secret headquarters. It's not a secret because people know about it, but you can't get in there. You could go, I think, visit the blue building. You can go visit the building we're going to look at in Clearwater. You probably can't access all levels. This one's off, off, off limits. They have security guards. This is their secret compound in San Jacinto, California. It's a retreat center. It's the international headquarters. It's where the mansion is for their founder or named after their founder. It's where he's going to return someday and live. I think it's been rumored that Tom Cruise is able to live there sometimes because he's so high up in the organization. L. Ron Hubbard Mansion. Now, this is an interesting building they just finished a few years ago. It took 13 years, took millions and millions of dollars. So you have L.A. as the West Coast Center. And then on the, the East Coast, you have Clearwater, Florida. Anybody been to Clearwater, Florida? You ever seen the Scientology stuff going on there? <laughs> it's the biggest building. If, it's, if you went after it was finished, you can't miss it. This is the Church of Scientology Flag Service Organization, also known as a superpower building. You go there to assess your superpowers. That's their name for it, not just naysayers' name for it. So they built this building, had a big grand opening. When you look at the inside, you just think, especially this, this is kind of the chapel-looking place, right? You, you might, now we're supposed to know the truth and not be fooled by things like this, but someone who's left Christianity, grew up a Christian, but hasn't really read their Bible, might look at that and think, wow, this is a really nice church. It's a really nice church building, really nice chapel. Maybe you want to join the organization and use their building for a wedding or something. But you can see how modernized. This is something out of a sci-fi movie as you start to look at this. You think these things are, are not real, but they are. And this building, the main purpose of it, was to do a superpower rundown. So what they're going to do is a high-level Scientology training course intended to train Scientologists to use all 57 senses. You thought there were only five, right? There's argue, arguable, people say a few more. There's 57 that the founder said. And if you get those in the right tune, if you figure those out and use them the right way, then... Now you're, you're like a superhuman. You have superpowers in the sense of operating at full capacity. So they, they have these different tests that you go through. Only if you're high level, though. You have to pay a lot of money to get to a certain level. Then you can go to the fifth story of this building and go through these tests. They have a wall, supposedly, that you can smell and work on your smell senses. It has different smells coming out of the wall. And they have what's, what's jokingly referred to as the time machine. The time machine... It's not so much a, a time machine, but it's supposed to do something with your senses as far as gravity is concerned. But that's an artist's representation of the room on the right. Does that look like something out of a sci-fi space movie? Right? It does. Truth is stranger than fiction. And where do these ideas come from for sci-fi? Right? Sci-fi is not a real universe. It has to be made up in the mind of the author. And L. Ron Hubbard was a sci-fi writer. And 
these things get implemented. And then, of course, there's so much Scientology in, in movies and shows today. You, we don't even recognize it now. But it is the modern self-help movement with a religious coding on top of it. So here's a, a brochure. Be the super you. It's a series of rundowns that enable you to become the superhero of your life and step up to the plate as a major league player in planetary clearing. That's their material, right? Sometimes I teach a class on this and you might think, and he's being kind of hard and joking, making fun of them. I don't even have to make stuff up. It's, it's just right there. I mean, that's the time machine right there. I mean, this is hilarious. And it only gets more fun as we go. Not in Texas, right? Well, it is. There's a, there's a center or a, a mission, they call it, in San Antonio. There's one in Austin, Houston, Dallas, all the major cities, even down in Harlingen, Texas, which I'm not sure why it's, there's one in Harlingen, but maybe some, some movie stars decided to come to Texas and vacation. There are centers around our state. It's a smaller group than the other ones we've looked at, so you're not likely to run into a Scientologist every time you turn around. But you need to know this is out there. It has an influence through Hollywood, through the media, and books. Oh, by the way, here's their symbols that you might see. They use two different symbols with triangles. I forget what the triangles mean, but the S is for Scientology. The triangles have to do with bettering, bettering yourself, working up these different levels. And then there's the cross. It has the, the star, the starburst in the middle of it. And so that's what they put up on their buildings. It kind of looks like a church with the cross on it. And then here's their, their symbol. There's also a, a blue one that has some triangles going in a different direction. So here's the one in San Antonio. Sometimes we think these things are just in California. But there's crazy people everywhere. Not just California. Not just New York. There's crazy people in Texas. And I mean crazy in a spiritual sense here. You can see this dark corridor with these benches. That, that looks kind of frightening right there. And uh, they're books you can walk in and buy. The founder has many books. Science fiction being one of them. In fact, when I, I think I've mentioned this, but when I was younger, we would go stay with my dad. My mom and dad were divorced very early. We would go stay with my dad, and he had a wall of paperback books. He had to stay in this room that was a wall of books. And I remember sleeping right next to that, thinking, this would be interesting to read. Let me look at some of these sci-fi books. Here's a guy with a sword. And I started looking, and there was this common author on a couple of shelves, L. Ron Hubbard. And I didn't know at the time, but now I'll look back and think, was my biological father kind of into Scientology? And this podunk little town outside of Austin, Texas, he had shelves and shelves of Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard and all these sci-fi books that L. Ron Hubbard wrote. And I just thought, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. He never said. He, never, he wasn't religious in any sense, but he sure liked the L. Ron Hubbard. So let's talk about Mr. Hubbard. Born in 1911 in Nebraska. He, he traveled around. I think his dad was in the military and maybe the Navy. He traveled around. He became an Eagle Scout. And at 21 years old, he had this idea that he was going to search for, for pirate treasure. So he started a business. He got a boat. And he went out, never found any treasure, went, went pretty much, what we would say, bankrupt. So then he got married at 22. He claims to have gone to all these colleges, but now everybody knows those were fake colleges that he, he went supposedly graduated from. When he actually tried to go to college, he dropped out. And he said, well, he's going to make money writing stories. And so he wrote fiction stories, cowboy stories. And then he started writing what we would call sci-fi stories. Still not a huge genre when he started in the 30s and 40s. But he was writing for magazines that were out at the time, making some money. 
So here's some of those magazines that have his name on the front cover. Astounding Science Fiction. You can see his name listed there and those first two. He also wrote what's called pulp fiction, little cheap novels that you could buy. And some of them were just about zombies, dead men kill. And then he eventually really liked sci-fi and started writing more and more of that. You can see where this is going, right? Fiction writer. Now we need to add one more element to make it more religious though. And uh, that's when he has a future roommate that's involved in the occult. So he marries at 22 years old. That's in 1933. He joins the Navy at 30. That's a little late in life to join the Navy. He goes for a couple of years. There's some incident where he fires on the Catalina Islands by mistake in the Navy. And uh, I'm not sure if he was dismissed by that, but he eventually gets out. And uh, he decides to go back to Southern California and live in L.A. He doesn't go back to live with his wife. He goes to Los Angeles. And he joins up with a, with a roommate, Jack Parsons. And Jack Parsons was a rocket engineer. And he was helping build these rockets with other famous people during the 30s and 40s. And Jack Parsons was part of the Thelemite occultists. There was another man named Aleister Crowley who started really the satanic cults of Los Angeles. They didn't call them satanic back then. And one of these was the Thelemite occult or the Thelemite cult. And what they were trying to do is commune with this goddess that they called Babylon, and try to bring Babylon down from the heavens to rule upon the earth. And I won't go into the immoral practices and such that they did for that, but L. Ron Hubbard ends up as his roommate. What he would do is take notes whenever his roommate would do these magical, they weren't really seances, they were practices of the occult trying to call upon this God. And so here's what Parsons said about his roommate. And the Scientologists, they, they do not like this kind of talk. They wish it would be buried and forgotten. But he said that this man, he's writing to his, his friend, Parsons was. He said, Hubbard had no formal training in magic. He was an extraordinary amount. He has an extraordinary amount of experience and understanding in the field. From some of his experiences, I deduce he is in direct touch with some higher intelligence, possibly his guardian angel. He's the most thelemic person I've ever met and is in complete accord with our own principles. So he found a, a kindred spirit here, and uh, this is not Parsons in the picture. This is another young picture of L. Ron Hubbard. And they would have these magical occult practices occurring and then just invite everybody over, and there was drugs and there was immorality. And, and this is in the mid-40s. And uh, what, what Hubbard would do is write down what his roommate said in these practices, some revelations that he's getting, and he would write these down. And he would say that these were coming from the goddess, and so he had to, he had to be the scribe. So Parsons would do the occult magic, trying to call down a goddess. Hubbard was active, scanning. He was scanning the astral plane. And one writer summarizes it as the astral plane. He was scanning for signs and visions, believing that he was particularly sensitive to detecting magical phenomena. Well, he ran off with his roommate's wife, and that caused a problem. He actually started a business, and he was going to charter some boats on the East Coast, sell them around, back up to the West Coast and sell them. But uh, Parsons got wind of it ran over to Florida, tracked this guy down, said, you know, the business is closed, we're done. But his wife still ran off with Hubbard, and he married her. So now he's got two wives. He's committing bigamy. And later in 1969, all this stuff comes out about L. Ron Hubbard, his satanic cult that he was a part of, all of this. And Scientology said, well, that's because the government sent him in as a secret spy to disrupt this cult in Los Angeles. Because the Satanists were growing. And so what happened was the government sent him in secretly to rescue this woman, Sarah, out. 
and shut down the black magic cults. And because the cult had died off by 1969, they said, see, proof right there. It's gone. He was a part of it. So they, they had a good cover story, but no one actually believes it. Are we having fun yet? So here's an article written in 2017, just looking back. The Rocketeer, the Scientologist, and the Lady in Between. So he runs off with Sarah. He'll eventually have a third wife. I don't think all at the same time. He does eventually divorce his other wife. And I'm not sure what happens to the one in the middle here. But he, he ends up with a third wife. She then ends up in prison later on. But we'll get to that. So then he decides in 1950 to expand an article he had written. He had written an article called Dianetics in one of these sci-fi magazines. And it was called Dianetics, the Evolution of a Science. And that was published in Outstanding Science Fiction. And in that article, Hubbard discusses the use of hypnosis, automatic writing, automatic speaking, and clairvoyance. So this is, I mentioned Jesus calling the book. And it's based on God calling an older book, which is based on automatic writing. Automatic writing is where you take a pen and piece of paper and you just listen for the spirits or supposedly God. And you just write. You don't know what you're writing. And then you open your eyes and there you go. You wrote a book telling people how to live. Clairvoyance is seeing into the future. Automatic speaking is the same as automatic writing. You just start speaking words and that's supposed to be from God. And he called this the science of the mind. So this is the true science of the mind. It ended up being kind of a mix of shamanism, medicine men, cults. Psychology is a big part of it. He took the concepts of psychology and then transformed them. And here's the opening sentence of the book. The creation of Dianetics is a milestone for man, comparable to his discovery of fire and superior to his invention of the wheel and the arch. Later on, the book says, the hidden source of all psychosomatic ills and human aberration has been discovered. And skills have been developed for their invariable cure. So you remember last week, Christian science, what, what was it there? Christian science was by Mary Baker Eddy's book called Science and Health. And she will tell you how to realize that nothing is real, pain's not real, and that's the cure to your illness, just to believe it's not real. Well, here he's, he's saying, L. Ron Hubbard is, the problem is with our thinking, it's with our minds. And if our minds were cleared up and functioning the right way, then there wouldn't be problems. Because our problems are just coming from bad thinking. It's coming from bad thinking. And if you've ever been in the business world and been to some consultants and seminars and conferences, this, this type of thing is huge. You've got to get your, your stinking thinking fixed, is what they'll say. And while it's not necessarily Scientology, I can tell you I've been to a lot of these and back in the day before I was a Christian and a little bit after I got converted and this is exactly the self-help talk that's out there. If you want to be successful, if you want to overcome all the problems in life, you've got to get your, your thinking cleared up. It's not a spiritual issue. It's not a sin in the world issue. It's because your thinking is not right and you've got to fix that. You've got to clear all of that up and the word clear is very important in their belief system. The original cover of the book is up top. Later, they put the volcano cover on there. There's another one with a kind of a bomb exploding on top of the volcano. Look, remember the volcano, because if you are in Scientology and you saw the new book cover, you would instantly recognize, if you are higher up in Scientology, what the volcano represents. And we'll come to that in a moment. So the book becomes a bestseller. It sells 
a lot of copies. Newsweek said it was a poor man's psychoanalysis. You don't need to go to a shrink or a psychologist and talk to Frank about why that's still probably not a good idea, but for different reasons. The poor man's psychoanalysis, you can do this at home with your own book. Isaac Asimov, who actually wrote science fiction, said, I consider it all gibberish. The book is gibberish. It doesn't make much sense. 1952, though, two years into this, his foundation he started for Dianetics goes bankrupt. He loses the rights to the book. He loses the rights to the foundation. So what do you do? What do you do when your little gem has been lost? Well, you create a new venture and you call it a religion. The religion of Scientology. The Church of Scientology. And then they eventually make enough money to get the rights to the book back. And then he can publish it again in his own name. What is it? Let's look at the theology. Because this class is about bad theology. History is important. And we have to look at the founders. But what is this in a nutshell? It's a self-help program. It's about self-improvement. It's about being a better person. True spiritual enlightenment. Even though spiritual isn't, doesn't really mean anything. It's all about the mind. Today... They, they say on their website, I just heard this on a video, I think, on their website yesterday that said, Hubbard founded the only major religion of the 20th century. That's not a good thing. Like, you don't want to be the person who says, I started a religion, the most recent one. And that's a, a kudo, they think, a kudos for them. So in 1967, though, the IRS comes along and says, you're not a church, you're not a religion, you're a self-help group, you don't get religious exemption." Now, this starts a 30-year war with the IRS. And Scientology is about money, and it's about power. And what do people who have money and power have? Lots of attorneys. They have lots of attorneys. This is a machine. This, this organization will... It did not stop suing the IRS until 1993. And there's only one thing that would stop them from doing it. And even today, they think it's the most evil organization on the earth. The, the more recent president of the group has said some statements about the IRS in the last few years. So they lose their IRS religious exemption. This is when the story gets even more interesting. So what do you do when you lose your IRS religious exemption? What would you do? Anybody want to guess? No, they, they like the name. They did make it sound more spiritual, right? They had to come up with some more theological backing. They called it a church. That, that they were trying to help with that. No, here's what you do you start sending secret agents into the IRS. Because that'll fix it, right? If you send 5,000 agents into the IRS as spies, covert agents, the biggest covert operation against the American government that's ever existed. You, you should look this up because we don't have time to go into all the... There's, there's books on this too. Operation Snow White. The Church of Scientology sends 5,000 covert IRS agents or agents into the IRS. They get hired by the IRS. They move up. In the 70s, this is going on. Anybody remember this? No, because you didn't know about it. You didn't know about it until 20 years ago when the government finally unclassified the documents of their settlement. So they send 5,000 covert agents into key government positions, some in the military, but mostly in the IRS. One person summarized, it's one of the largest infiltration of the United States government in history. 30 countries around the world had Scientologist agents in their organizations. And the UK especially. They had, a, they had a, a headquarters in the UK. And the UK was, the government was after them as well. This, isn't this just beyond? This is something you read about in fiction novels. So Operation Snow White is to uncover before we look at this next slide, it was to uncover dirt on the IRS 
and to find out as much information on the people who had left Scientology and were out there talking about it. So when this gets uncovered in the court cases that erupt and investigations and the FBI comes in and they raid the headquarters all around for Scientology, what they find is not only were they trying to get dirt on the IRS agents and the IRS higher-ups, but they were trying to get dirt on the people who had left and were out there publishing books against Scientology. Because one thing you do is you don't leave and talk about what you weren't supposed to talk about even when you were in the organization. The secret knowledge. This is a secret Gnostic type of organization. And so there's another one that's called Operation Freakout, where this woman left and she starts writing books on it and speaking on it. And they're trying to make her look bad and slander her. And that's all uncovered when the FBI agents go in and raid these organizations, these buildings. So in 1993, the, the, the case, by the way, in the 80s is found out. The IRS puts all these people in jail. Ron Hubbard's third wife, they sent her to life in prison. Most of the higher-ups, though, that were in this organization and got sent to prison were, were done in 10 years. They were out. But because of that, the Scientologists went back to court and kept suing the IRS. And in 1993, the IRS had had enough. And they said, let's settle all of this. And so they went into secret settlement. No one knew what it was. Later, the documents come out. And because of that fallout of the settlement, it's believed, and there's good evidence for this, that they received their religious exemption back because the IRS wanted them off our backs because they were getting taken to court and it was costing all this money. Some of the court cases they were winning. And so in 93, the government says, fine, you get your religious exemption back. So these other quotes I've already got here. The last one at the bottom, though, is a new one. Hubbard himself said income tax was a result of an alien mind that implants were left over from that alien mind from the galactic tyrant Zinu 76 million years ago. So some people would just say, you know, the IRS is evil. They're satanic. He has better fiction writing abilities. And we're going to go into this. This is important in their backstory. The IRS is evil because it's left over from this tyrant that ruled the galaxy 76 million years ago. Okay, y'all tracking with this? So before we go into all that fun stuff, what is some of the basic concepts? This is right off their website. Scientology is a religion and its highest meaning. So it's a religion, they're saying, and it helps to bring man total freedom and truth. Here's the essential tenets of Scientology. There's only three. You're an immortal spiritual being. So now they got the religion in there. Your experience extends well beyond a single lifetime. You've actually been alive for millions of years. And you will go on living for billions of years. Your capabilities are unlimited, even if not presently realized. Furthermore, man is basically good. He's seeking to survive. And his survival depends upon himself and his fellows and his attainment of brotherhood with the universe. Does this sound like, what's wrong with this? Anything biblically wrong with this? What's biblically wrong? Man's not basically good, right? Since the fall, what does the Bible say about man over and over and over? Basically sinful, right? Corrupt, depraved. Is, is, is our goal, is our salvation, they don't use that term, but if we were to use it, is it just to survive? Just to attain brotherhood with the universe? This sounds a lot like, if you were in my class last year on apologetics, it sounds a lot like another religion. What's that religion where you want to be one with the whole universe? Hinduism. Hinduism and Buddhism, which are sister religions. Be one with the universe. And 
Also, Hinduism and Buddhism is about reincarnation. Now, in that one, you die and you come back as something else. In this one, you've always existed as an immortal spiritual being. And you will always exist as an immortal spiritual being. Well, that, that's true biblically. I mean, not, not that we've always existed, but God, from the time he creates a person, they will go on into the future, into eternity existing, either in heaven or hell. They got that part right, but going backwards, they got wrong. And even their view going forward isn't exactly right either. All right, you ready? Ready for their idea of creation and where we came from? Humans are immortal spirits that have lived previous lives. Man is basically good. So to be saved, what you need to do is improve yourself. And truth is the way you do it, but it's very subjective what truth is. But the main emphasis here is self-improvement. And doesn't it sound great? I mean, you're, you're walking along the street in a busy city, and it says, take this personality test to improve yourself, to make you a better businessman, a better wife, a better mother. You can find out what your personality is all about. And they hook you up to this little thing I'll show you in a minute, and it does all these needle things, and it tells the person reading it, it's called an audit, and it tells you what you need to work on. And now you get started with the organization. But let's see what they really believe. This is all according to L. Ron Hubbard. So we've got to get some terms out here. You've got to have a glossary. There's a whole website that's a glossary for Scientology. First, the most important principle they have is not God. There's no concept of God. It's the theta. The theta, that's the Greek letter theta. It's the energy peculiar to life, which acts upon the material in the physical universe and animates it. This, this energy called theta makes the world alive or the universe alive. It moves things. It changes things. It's the natural creative energy of a being, which he is free to direct towards survival goals. So instead of God, they have this energy and you can tap into this energy and use it. And what, what the beings in the universe are called is thetans. So there's theta, that's the energy. And then thetans. A thetan is an immortal spiritual being. We would just say the human soul. It emerged from theta trillions of years ago. So something happened in the theta and soul. You got created, your soul. And you're now a thetan. And what a thetan needs to do is live in the mest. And mest is an acronym for matter, energy, space, and time. So that's the universe, right? We would just say God's creation, all that he's created. They say that's the mest. And so they, when they give their testimonies, they use this terminology. So you're created from the theta, and how did this mess get created? Well, mess got created because there was a thetan just sitting around, and he was bored. And so he creates the physical universe, and then next thing he knows, he's part of it. You know, he's bored, he creates this thing, a thetan does, and the next thing you know, he's become part of it, didn't even realize it. Here's how a guy who studied this from the UK, he wrote a book on it. Called, his name is Roy Wallace. He says, Thetans are by now in a hypnoid state, having forgotten their quadrillions of years of existence and their original godly power, barely capable of even leaving their bodies at will. So once your soul was like a god, and now it's been so long, and it's been sort of encased in this physical universe, and you've just forgotten that you had all this power. And so what Scientology is about is helping you sort of get back to that. To release yourself from the things of this world so you can get back to this power. That's how I would summarize it. They wouldn't use those types of words. They have their own words. All right, here's the history of Earth. So that's, that's the universe. 
How do we get to earth? And you don't learn this until you get to the third level in their organization. So Zinu was the ruler. I just can't say this without laughing. You know, it's hilarious. How do, how do you say this? He's a ruler of 76 planetary, planetary galactic confederacy. So 76 planets in this confederacy. And they're all overpopulated. They hit the 250 billion mark. And so what do you do? You send them to this place called Tigiak. That's earth. 75 million years ago, Zenu sends these things, these souls to earth. And what he does is he stacks them around the volcanoes and then he drops hydrogen bombs on them. But they're still, they still exist. They're just messed up. So they're sort of just around the earth. They're floating around. And there's other beings on the earth called humans. And humans also have a Thetan, an immortal soul. And so you have these Thetans floating around that attach to humans and they interfere with your thinking. They mess you up. So whenever you're sinning, you can blame the Thetans from 76 million years ago who got nuked on the earth. No, you can't. You can blame yourself for your sin. All right, I'm going to try not to laugh here. So I got another duplicate. Yeah, so the, the Thetans that were left over attached to human bodies, they cause spiritual harm. We're at the bottom of the slide here. And we're Thetans ourselves as humans. And we have these other Thetans attached. So you've got to get rid of the other... It sounds demonic, doesn't it? I mean, laughing aside, right? This, this, would, this is how we would say it. Humans are sinful. They cause sin. That has effects in this world. We don't like it. And sometimes there's even a demonic influence behind it. Or really, all sin ultimately has a demonic influence, doesn't it? But they just come up with their own stuff. Or L. Ron Hubbard did. He just came up with us. And he was a fiction writer. Remember the volcanoes on the book cover? That's a symbol for them. They, they, Dianetics goes all the way back to 76 million years ago. So now we get into more of the... the sort of psychological thing that they do to help you clear your Thetan. Reactive mind and an analytical mind. You have two minds. And the unconscious reactive mind, that's where you feel pain. That's where you are just at a stimulus response basis. Something happens to you, then you respond. And you get these bad patterns of response. And you're not really in control of that. And that ends up messing up your life. It has force and power over your awareness, your purposes, your thoughts, your body, and your stored actions. And this, so you get a mental picture. Something bad happens and you respond and that kind of makes a picture in your mind. And that's called engram, not enneagram. That's a later thing. This is an engram. And the engram is these mental pictures. So that's what's messing you up. And your analytical mind, that's your conscious mind. That's the good part of your mind, he said. That's the part of the mind which one consciously uses and is aware of. It's the portion of the mind which thinks, it observes data, it remembers, it resolves problems. So put it in common terms, your reactive mind, that's your emotions. If we just want to use common language, the way people use it. That's your emotions. And you don't want to go through life just being emotional. That messes you up. You've got to be logical all the time, which there is some truth to that. But in a biblical sense, that's for biblical counseling class. Go there, read your Bible, listen to sermons, but in their mind, you need to just be a logical machine-like person who's freed up to think clearly. And you've got to get rid of the stimulus stuff, this engram that is in your mind messing up your life. So how do you do that? Well, you need to clear your mind. You need to get clear. And clear is 
probably the number one key word in Scientology. It's a desirable state, very highly desirable, and it's achieved through auditing. So you've got to get audited. And he said it was never attainable before Dianetics. Before his book came out in 1950, I don't know what people did. They just lived a life, I guess, of not being clear. So before you're clear, you're in the pre-clear state. Then you get to the clear state. You're, it's called going clear or reaching clear. Clear means you're no longer having the reactive mind and its hurtful effects. So now you're freed up. You can think clearly. You can live your, your higher life. No more engrams. You're able to think and be logical and sort of use your mind as the superpower that it is. So what you want then, once you're clear, is you can start having control over the physical universe, the, the MEST, the M-E-S-T. You can change things. You can stop things from happening. You can go back to that kind of immortal sense of creating that supposedly happened billions of years ago. And this is called OT. So you have different levels of OT. And that's operating theta. So once you get to this level of clear, you can have an effect on the energy around you, the theta around you. And now you're able to operate on it. You're able to use it. And this is called operating theta. And now you can control the mess. And there's eight stages of getting more control over this. Eight operating thetas. And each stage will cost you money to learn how to manipulate, how to use the theta. In 1991, originally it was like $3,000 for all eight stages. Of course, inflation and other things. In 1991, the last time anybody knew exactly the number, three hundred dollars to $400,000. That was in 91. What do you think it is now? I don't know. A million? That's to get through all eight stages. Not everybody makes it that high. Less than 10% of them get above stage three. Oh, now it's 300000 to get into the first stage. Wow. So, lots of money. How do they build these buildings? How do they have a yacht and a whole navy to their disposal? They have their own navy. How does that, how does that happen? You pay 300000 just to get clear and get that level one. So, it's, it's a pyramid scheme, really. You go to these personality tests that somebody's doing. You, you, you hook up to this machine. They tell you you've got problems in life. Then they have the solution. Come take our training. How much is it? 300,000, the next level, and so on. So you're, you're spending millions for the eight stages. And that supposedly they've added more because now all these people have hit stage eight. What do you do? Can't make money off of them unless they just give. So supposedly, and all this stuff is kept top secret, but there's seven more stages that were added after the founder's death. So what do they say about Jesus? Well, Jesus was just a shade above clear. He barely made it over that line. That means... 10% of Scientologists are above Jesus. Because above clear is just stage three, I think, or stage one. A shade above clear, I think, is stage three, according to him. So 10% of their group gets above stage three. They're more clear than Jesus. Hmm? Their founders, blasphemous thinking. Yeah. I'll get to that in just a few slides. Probably what he heard about Christianity. It seems like he read the book of Revelation, which I'll show you. But probably Jesus was a good teacher, the historical Jesus. Back then, that was common, and that's, that's who he talked about. This man named Jesus, who was a good teacher, seemed to have this ability to think well and not be affected by his environment, even though they don't really deal with the death of Christ on the cross. In later writings, Hubbard wrote that he was Buddha. 
and the Antichrist, preventing the second coming of Christ. I'm going to show you a little bit longer of a quote there. He did write these things, and they really don't like it when you talk about that. Zenu is the one who implanted Christianity on the Thetan. So the only reason Christianity is so popular in our world, so widespread, he said, was because it goes back to this intergalactic ruler who left all of these implants. You might have seen some sci-fi movies where they put these implants in the mind. This is more like a spiritual implant that's stuck to the Thetans. And that Christianity idea was put in there when Zenu brought all those people here and hydrogen bombed them 76 million years ago. If you get to level 8, which is top secret, only came out after. So these things were getting written and revealed later. It only comes out after his death. Two years after he's died, level 8 is released. And in that, he says of himself that there is a time coming, according to Revelation, where an arch enemy of Christ, referred to as the Antichrist, will reign. And he admits that the Antichrist represents the forces of Lucifer. Then he says, my mission could be said to fulfill the biblical promise represented by this brief Antichrist period. See what he's saying there? I'll show you more in a moment. He read the book of Revelation. He knew some things that it said. He wrote them and this, this was his great work. OT level 8 was his final work. The big purpose of everything he had done. He dies. Comes out two years later. It's the last level. You don't even get to know these things until you get there. Later, people would leave the organization and reveal all of this. And you can imagine how upset they were when this happened. So upset that they took those people to court before the internet. They took them to court. And in the court case, they said, he didn't write that. The reason they said that is because people were, once they got to this level and learned about it and they told others, people were leaving. This was too much. When, they, when he starts saying he's the Antichrist, this was too much. They start leaving. So they took these people to court and they said, he didn't write that. But we have it under copyright and we're keeping the copyright. Which really means he did write it and they don't want it to get out. So they modified it later to keep people from leaving. They took all this stuff out. He wrote it. They own the copyright to it to this day. No one else can publish this material in its entirety. He said in that work that he would return from the grave in a Messiah-like figure. That's why they built the mansion for him. He would stop an impending apocalyptic alien invasion by the galactic confederacy. So the confederacy is coming back to earth. He said some blasphemous statements about Jesus that I'm not going to put on the slide. He thought that Revelation spoke of, as I quoted, the arch enemy of Christ. He said his mission was to fulfill that. What he's saying is, I'm the Antichrist. That's, that's what he wanted to be, or at least one of them. And he warned that if you read that level eight that he published that came out later, and you're not prepared, you will spontaneously combust. Yeah, so don't mess with level eight. That's the ultimate level that he wrote. So here, it was called the bridge to a new world, the levels. And if you're, you know, like a lot of us, we just, we just love to like achieve things and move from one level to the next. This is what computer games are based on so much in this world today, attaining that next level. And then it's not enough and you get to the next level. And whether it's cars or money or whatever, there's something in humanity that makes us lust for those things. It's called idolatry. Well, this thing, when he gets it up on the screen and he shows people and he leads people through this, they love it. I'm level one. What are you? I'm level two. You know, I'm, I'm a level three. And so you're willing to pay for this. It helps you with your business skills. It helps you as an actor. It helps you sort of think better, they say. And so here's the chart. It, it got secretly released at some point and 
they've, they've modified it since then. Here he is, L. Ron Hubbard teaching an older version. You can see how complex it's gotten. Now, now the last one, I think it's like two pages almost in length because you've got to keep adding levels, right? When you get to max level, you've got to give people more. It's sort of like the seeker-friendly church, right? If, if you have fog machine and that's not enough, then what are you going to do? Laser lights. What do you do after laser lights? Cars on the stage? I've seen that. Then you put a tank on the stage? Then what? Y'all, y'all haven't seen enough. We, we were part of a seeker-friendly church when we were first saved. And a few years after we left, they had lions, tigers, and giraffes. They had to go outside for that. It was an Easter service. They rented these animals and got a lot of bad press for it. So you just have to keep upping the ante. And it's the same with Scientology. You just keep upping the ante so that people strive even more and give more money. I mean, it's, eventually it's based on money. This guy turned something that went bankrupt in 1952 into a multi-billion dollar business. So you go and you sit knee to knee with an auditor and they will help you get started. Don't do it. I don't recommend it. But it's just a, uh, basically your body has a normal electric current. It's very low. It's very low current. But when you touch things, that's how those, what is it? The fat percentage, body percentage things that you stand on. How do they figure that? It's through how a current passes through your body at a low voltage. And so they have you touch this machine and that's the audit because it will tell you where your problems are with the things that the needles and such. And then you need to come in because you're not clear and you come in and start the program to get clear. So there it is. It's called the e-meter. It's pretty expensive, top secret. You're not supposed to have it unless you're part of their organization. I've heard it referred to as an ohm meter, not by them, but that, that's another type of thing that measures the ohm, the ohms that your body produces. And so you just touch these things on the side. They're like handheld metal canisters and the wires go into the machine and a needle bounces and, hey, you got a problem. I can, I can tell people that without a little machine that's $350. You know, I can tell them just with this Bible right here. You've got a problem. So they also have a Navy, as I mentioned. Many are called, few are chosen. This is their ad, okay? I can't read that small print. Let's see. It's not the first time you've been a part of the elite. There isn't the fir- this isn't the first time we've been together. Welcome home, shipmate. Join the only team on earth dedicated to making OTs. See our Sea Org recruiter and find out what Sea Org dedication is all about. This is, their, this is their Navy force. I don't think they have weapons on the It's a cruise ship. I don't know if they have other ships. There's all these documentaries out now on this. I didn't have time to watch them all, but they're recruiting for the Sea Org. And here's another advertisement. We do whatever it takes to bring Dianetics and Scientology to the world. Our duty is to create a sane planet. This will help you be sane because your mind will be clear. And so they are all about that. Here it is. Got the planetary beam. Something out of the sci-fi movie it looks like. The Sea Org. Effectively clearing the planet at correct orders of magnitude. Planet's messed up. How do you fix it? Not all this sin, Christianity stuff. No, no. That's an implant mine from the aliens. What you need to do is get clear and join the Sea Org. They do have pay. They will pay you to do it. The problem is the contract's a little concerning. Anybody read that? You can't read that. Let me read it to you. 
I, and then you fill in your name, do hereby agree to enter into employment with the C organization and being of sound mind, that's, that's a question right there, being of sound mind, do fully realize and agree to abide by its purpose, which is to get ethics in on this planet and the universe and fully and without reservation subscribe to the discipline, the mores, and conditions of the group and pledge to abide by them. Therefore, I contract myself to the C organization for the next billion years. I think they pay at least minimum wage, right? For a billion years. Not minimum wage. They do. Yeah, hell forever. That's their retirement plan, isn't it? Yeah, a billion years. That, this is an official document that you sign up for the organization with. A billion-year contract. Okay, we've got two minutes for questions and comments. That's all I got. I, y'all, y'all made me laugh more today than doing this. I mean, the other stuff is more serious. This is, this is crazy. But 40,000 people at least in the U.S. are in this and maybe more are influenced by it. I remember not only my father in the, the bookshelf, but when I was a chiropractor in practice, they would have these consultants and big conferences, how, how to run a better business and all of this. And you would just go. And it's the same for dentists, medical doctors, these, these sort of business self-improvement conferences. And there was one guy out of Clearwater, Florida, that was supposedly not only could you hire him to be your consultant, but almost everybody who did ended up a Scientologist. Because he would have you come to his compound right next to the Scientology stuff. And he would be your coach, your success coach. And it was all Scientology with a different packaging. Business success. Thankfully, I was a Christian by then. Did stay away from it. I, I don't know if that was him or, or the organization built it, hoping that he'd come back and rest with them. Because in his mind, Antichrist isn't bad because Christianity's the, the alien implant. And it's the person who's against that that will fix it. Oh, yeah, they, they, they get, what that meant was when they gave to the organization, they, that money wasn't taxed. But they still have to pay income tax. But, you know, it's, they're serving the alien mind. See how many ships they have. They, they claim it's a naval force, but all I've ever seen is the one cruise ship that L. Ron Hubbard. And you, to get to OT8, you have to be invited to the ship. And that was the only place that the classes were ever taught for OT8, top secret. Even though I'm not sure how that, that must be today because they didn't come out until after he died. And, and there's other stories about this guy. On the ship, he had 15-year-old girls that were waiting to serve him whatever he wanted. And they signed up to go and serve because they grew up in Scientology. So the, somebody's coming to enslave us. It's an alien. And he's going to come back and save us from that. All right. That's enough science fiction for today. This is supposed to be a serious church, y'all. Come on. Where's the Bible here? We normally would go through that in a basic apologetics class. I would show you how to answer all this biblically. I've already done that, so go back and listen to it. This is about exposing these organizations. So when you talk to somebody, you know your Bible well, you know what they believe, and now you can give them the truth, okay? Stay here for the service. If you're new, we'll be having a lot of Bible in the service. Lord, we thank you for our time just to look at the false teaching. We've got to know something about this when it comes along. Some of it, as we've covered today, is more fictional, more crazy talk, Others are influencing our friends, our neighbors, our relatives. So help us, Lord, to be discerning in a culture that hates you. But we love you, Lord, and we want to know your truth, and we want to proclaim your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.